The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome back to this Tuesday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. Thanks for being with us today, whether you're watching this live or watching this later in the day or even listening to this in audio format. I greatly appreciate the privilege to be part of your day. Just a reminder of the different places you can find this, obviously iTunes and Spotify, if you're uh, or Apple Podcasts and Spotify, if you're listening to this, uh, Amazon Music, tune in. If you're listening to this in the audio format, uh, you can find this on the Grace Baptist Church of Bakersfield's YouTube channel, Facebook page, or my own Facebook page. Uh, Those are the different platforms we use uh, to put this out. Uh, If you're following along with us in Scripture, today we're in Matthew chapter 10. Uh, We're going to look at just a few verses about a unique thought. Um, In fact, I'm pulling something, as you know, some depending on what Bible you use, there's different breakdowns of the chapter or the next section of Scripture. And so in the I'm using an app. The app I use right now breaks it up, and one of the comments in these these verses says that Christ brings divisions. That's kind of for going off. It's an intriguing thought because, yes, Christ does bring division, but not necessarily what we might think when that comes in, Uh, you know, that God's forcing division or whatever that would be. But the fact is, I think we all know that if if we walk with Christ and if we're a Christian, not everybody in our life it's going to say that's a great thing, that everybody's going to like it, then everybody's going to come alongside and say, great job, good for you. Um, it's it's going to sometimes cause division. So we're going to take a moment, look into these verses, and see what it is um, that Jesus is telling us here, but we can learn about that. He says in verse 32, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him will I will deny also deny before my Father who is in heaven. But those first two verses, I've heard it used that this would be an aspect of somebody who has been saved, and then when they deny Jesus, they lose their salvation. Well, that is obviously not the fact. One, it would contradict too many other aspects of Scripture. We have to remember our, remember that we did not earn salvation. Salvation has been given to us, and it is secured by God, according to John, the book of John, and so many other sections of Scripture. Um, so what is he talking about here? Well, I would say two things. It is a proof of salvation. Uh, if you are truly saved, um, this won't be too much of an issue. You should have an unashamed nature. Uh, I would say, though, if you're going to deny it, there's a chance you're not saved. That, that's the number one thing. Here's the number two one. I was reading this this morning, just studying to get different perspectives on it. I like what one commentator said. He said, the premise is not necessarily based on salvation as much as it's based on everyday life. Everyday life, if I choose to deny Jesus and I act like he's not there, then I might lose some of his power at that time. I might lose, not enjoy answered prayer. The things that come in the day-to-day sanctification process where Jesus is working in my life, it may not happen. Uh, it simply the come, comes out of the idea of when we grieve the Holy Spirit or things of that nature, where our actions do have a result from the other side and decisions we make. And so that was, I like the way that's put, it's intriguing. Here's a simple point. We don't have to run out every day and scream and holler in the corners, uh, you know, preach Jesus in the corners, things of that nature. Right now it's so hot, no one's windows are open anyway. Uh, the simple point is this. In our daily life, we should be completely unashamed of the fact that we are Christians. Uh, there is a difference between being ashamed and being, I think, too far. Uh, but I think we should be bold. I think we should be unashamed. And that, But then again, that comes across in a reasonable kindness. 
inviting, you know, encouraging people, loving people, helping people, encouraging people to come to Jesus. These are the kind of things that we're referencing, not necessarily looking for fights, if you know what I'm talking about. Let's continue on, though, when he goes to this idea of division where Christ and following Christ as a disciple can result in some level of division. He says in verse 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And, and, and man's enemies will be those in his own household. Now we'll get to more what that looks like in a second. Let's go back to where he says, I did not kind of bring peace, but a sword, because your initial thought is, was Isaiah called Jesus the Prince of Peace. So how can he be the Prince of Peace when he says, I did not come to bring peace? Well, right, he's referencing immediately when he came to earth as the Messiah. To follow Jesus was not always going to be a peaceful thing. You know, you can be religious in our day and most people are, nah, whatever. But if you say you're a follower of Jesus, and you're gonna have some who struggle with that. They're not going to like that, and then there's a level of contention because most will say religion's generic. We all worship the same God, no big deal. By the way, that is not true by any stretch of the imagination. If you're not following Jesus, you are a heretic, all right? That's what the Bible says. Uh, you're a false religion. Uh, Jesus is the distinguishing mark of Christianity, of the word of God, the gospel and everything points to Jesus, his work on the cross. Um, and the Trinity as he's connected to. And you can't have religion without, you can't have Christianity without Jesus. You just have a false religion at that point. So it's generic because it's not distinct. And Satan wants us to be religious, but he doesn't want us to know Christ. So that's one of it is when you follow Jesus, there's going to be levels. Now, ultimately, he will bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And when he comes back, which is the next thing we're waiting for him to do, after the tribulation, all the other things going on, he will sit upon the throne of his father David and he will bring peace to the earth. Until that happens, his name will be connected to division and frustration. You know, people have are still have died for the name of Jesus, are still dying for the name of Jesus, and will continue to suffer and die for the name of Jesus. So you can't look at the world and say, he's bringing peace right now. So the ultimate peace that Jesus is offering, the Prince of Peace, is down the road. Now, there's the internal peace, peace with God, peace of God. We talked about the, that even on Sunday morning. But this is referencing this peace, lack of conflict. We still live in a sinful world. And through that, there's not going to be peace. But how does he mean when he's breaking families, when he's doing this? So what does that talk about? All right, first, in this aspect, he's going to say, if you get saved, there are going to be people in your life that aren't going to like that. I've, I've watched some who, when they get baptized, their families disown them because they have decided to identify with Jesus, not just with religion, but with Jesus and through baptism by immersion, and they have been completely disowned by their family. Some would say, I won't disown you, but I really don't want you to come over. Uh, there is a division. Uh, in some other, in other countries, I think the division is a little more drastic as the false religions are more in your face. But in today's day and age, that does happen. Some would say, I remember one, a young lady that we were working with in a public school, she got saved and her father was brokenhearted. Uh, that he had lost his daughter. So that's kind of where it's coming from. So what do we do in that scenario? So he says in verse 37, he who loves the he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who, who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. So is he saying that to be a great Christian, if we want to use that term, uh, we need to hate everyone else? No, that's not what he's referencing. That word hate, I like it. It really comes down to an idea of comparative thinking. 
The point is this. If I don't love Jesus enough to be willing to that my love for Jesus out overshines my love for other people. There's another section that says I need to love him more than I do my wife. Well, that's ridiculous. I'm supposed to love my wife as myself. So what he's saying there is that my love for Jesus should exceed my love for family. And, and, and he's not really talking about discipleship here. That's what he's talking about. From the first couple of verses to this, discipleship. There is, I am a Christian. There is an, I'm an active disciple. And a disciple is one who unashamedly follows and serves Jesus. That's a disciple. So if you're willing, if you're not willing to sacrifice and, and place Jesus above work, money, family, you're not worthy of me, he says in this passage. And he says, you need to take up your cross and follow me. He goes, if you're not willing to place him above, he says, you're not worthy. He goes, you're not really a great disciple. I don't believe it means you're not saved. It's just you're just that relationship, that true, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus is not, it, it sounds good, but you're not what Jesus desires us to be. And that's what he's saying. We, and by the way, we should. People across the world today give everything just to go to church. American Christianity really waters this down. In American Christianity, if we're not careful, Jesus becomes an extra. Jesus becomes something we do when we have nothing else to do. Okay, you know what? I'm not going anywhere else today. I can go to church or I can go serve. And Jesus becomes a second thought. And I'm telling you, I, personally for me, I don't want to stand one day in, the, in, 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 the, in front of Jesus and what did you do the last few years of your life? Well, you know what? I did this. But, you know, I, I, you know we have all these reasons why. I Personally, I hope, uh, for me, my dream is that I will be serving uh, until the day Jesus takes me home. And that's what I hope that's our goal. You know, and, and seasons change, and what your ministry looks like will change as we know that seasons do, as it should. But the key is this. Is Jesus still the center or is he an extra? May he always uh, be the center. And that's what he's talking about here. May we strive to be disciples. Not just, not just believers and not just Christians, but disciples, ones who are willing to take the step, take the sacrifice, and boldly be followers of Jesus. Well, thanks again for joining us today. I'll be honest, today's lesson's a little more of a challenge. Uh, it's just more straightforward as Jesus, Jesus often was. And maybe look at it and embrace the challenge and own it. I believe the world needs people who are unashamedly disciples of Jesus today. Thanks again for joining us on this Tuesday. Stick with us as we continue through the book of Matthew, and we do hope it's an encouragement. Thanks for joining us today. We'll look forward to seeing you again.